welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. That's it, that's us and this is the final Formula 1 race of the year, the final EFTM F1 podcast. Connor McNally, Harry Tucker with me. Uh, Connor McNally, uh, you're logging on to KO having woken up and you've just tuned into the podcast. Should you be watching the full race or a KO Mini? Oh, I think the KO Mini for this one. Um, there are some bits and pieces that of the race that were pretty good, but I think the battle for second right at the end when Checo uh, was battling Charles, uh, that's probably the, 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 the bits you probably want to watch right at the end, so the KO Mini. Um, I mean, it's too too bad if you didn't want to know what was going to happen there. Yeah, I was just going to say, spoiler Before. there. Jesus, wow, man, far <laughs> out. It's not like the result isn't on the radio, on the TV, and all over the internet. But Harry, uh, what are your thoughts, mate? Mini? Look, oh, final race of the year. Give it a give it a full watch. You know, it's right. another three or another three or four months until till your next dose of Formula One. So get in there, full race. You've stolen my thunder. That's exactly what I reckon because it is. We are going to go through a period of deprivation here. Um, and there is, I know it is with reality, it's a processional race, but there's enough little bits and pieces that it does keep, like I didn't feel at all tired during the race. And this is, a you know, the worst time slot for us. Um, so, yeah, I'd go the full race just to take it in, bit of uh, bit of background information there. It's, yeah, I, I didn't mind it overall. Um, but let's be honest, it was processional. It was in some ways predictable, but it was a tyre strategy race. Now, um, we really don't need to unpack the whole race because it, 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 it was there was nothing major to report other than, say, Fernando Alonso uh, having a water leak on lap 27 and, mm-hmm. and ending his race. Uh, Lewis Hamilton dramatically with like three laps to go, losing hydraulics. So Max Verstappen wins ahead of Charles Leclerc, uh, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, George Russell, Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, Daniel Ricciardo, and Sebastian Vettel scoring a point in his final Formula One Grand Prix. Um, here's what I want to talk about first and foremost, boys, and it is second place in the Drivers' World Championship, something that Red Bull has never achieved at the same time as winning the World Championships. This was an opportunity for Red Bull this year to, to win the Constructors, the drivers and second place in the drivers never been done by Red Bull before. Now, obviously, we had the controversy of Brazil where Max showed his true colours um, and has a baby cry over what he alleges to be an incident earlier in the year, which we all believe to be Monaco. Uh, and he, they just keep talking about how they've they've made an agreement, they understand it, and he even said we'll we'll, we'll fight to give Checo that that result. But Harry, Max did nothing today to help Checo other than make a radio call saying tires are good, full send. Max did nothing to help. I love those calls. And then there was the, at the end as well, him asking, you know, how did Checo go? And it's sort of that bit of a just very disingenuine sort of questioning of, of his teammates there. But I think it's easy to say that, you know, he could have done more today or, or you know, last week, Last race, it could have helped Checo as well, but it's still a 22 race season. It's if you're leaving it, you know, right up to the very last point available, it's still, you know, got to be on Checo and Red Bull there for that position. Mm. Like, as much as Max has been a dick, not being a good teammate, it's ultimately not his responsibility. And that's sort oh, of oh. where I've got myself to with it. 
That's a, and I I actually think that's a that's a right point. It's a refreshing point, and it it kind of reflects a little bit on a decent bit of commentary before the race by Sky Sports with um, Jensen, Martin, and Damon being questioned about Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one. Martin made the point that it is all well and good for us to question this, that, and the other, but it, it was one race out of a whole bunch, and mm. a lot of other things happened. So, Connor, what are your thoughts on? Sergio not getting second place in the world championship. I kind of feel that Checo got sabotaged in a way. Like I think they kind of let him down. And I think the last couple of, particularly last weekend in Brazil, it really has shown the true colors of, of Max Verstappen, that he really is not the team player that he makes out to be. And I think even with the team radio this evening, it's like I don't think he cared. Like they've, they've, they say they've patched things up and everything is hunky-dory. I don't believe that for a moment. I think there's going to be quite a bit of tension from this point forth between Max and Checo, and I don't think that's ever going to go away for quite a while. I think we're going to be seeing the remnants of like, like the, the beginnings of, a, say, a, a Prost v. Senna kind of battle and you know, that, those inter-team rivalries once again. I, I think that's going to be very much the case between those two, and it could boil to a head next year. I, I really believe that could be the case because there's going to be not a lot of love lost between those two. Now, in Red Bull's defence, um, the decision to two-stop Checo and one-stop Max was probably not foreshadowed. Um, mm. It was, you know, mid-race and it was a whole for, – for Ferrari, it was a do the opposite. So um, Leclerc didn't pit when Sergio did and it was basically at that point they went, well, we've got to go to the end now. That's 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 our destiny. Um, and, and Lewis had the same problem. He's like, dude, what are we doing? And, and Lewis would have probably ended up in the same spot regardless, but it was different for Checo because he, he had pace under him. He, all I'm saying is, and I guess my point to you, Harry, and, and you, you validly say that it's, it's one race, but even in the early stages, even at some point there, the gaps weren't that big in this race until mm. really the last 15, 20 laps, the gaps were two to three seconds. There's, Absolutely nothing stopping Max just going into full tire preservation mode. And I know at the end there was a radio message, I think, from Red Bull, which was interesting, that said uh, Max can't uh, can't give Sergio uh, can't give Charles DRS that'll help him. Like so, basically saying we we're not going to back Max up because it'll just enable DRS. But you can't tell me that two or three laps of Max and Checo doing a bit of Checo and Lewis from 2021 wouldn't have given Checo the two or three seconds he needed. And then Max could have just dillied away with an extra two or three seconds. That's what I think should have happened. I think that should have been the team order at somewhere with about 30 laps to go or or 25 laps to go. I mean, and that's, and that exactly there is why you, Connor and I right now are talking about this and not on the track at Abu Dhabi. It's just, I think it's just that killer instinct, right? Like these guys here, it's easy for us to go go at. He's saying here, I don't have I killer think... instinct. This is outrageous. Look, it's a different type of killer instinct. <laughs> a, a killer instinct for maybe a, a UDL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's Trev's favorite drink. Love I'm going to kill some is UDLs and Ruskies this weekend, just so you know. So yeah, good, happy day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. I think it's that instinct. Like it's just if you you have to have that. I will. I hate losing mentality. I think mm. if you're these guys, and I think. If it's anyone, it's not just Max. I think anyone in that spot. And I think 
he's got a bit of the heat at the moment from the week before, and we sort of look at him with a bit more of a pressurized lens in this view. Mm. But I think that's just the nature of them. And mm. I think, Connor, the interesting thing is we've got to remember, and I've it's it's also um, uh, hypocritical of me to be even talking about this because I've said a million times whenever Connor starts running through the points tally, no one cares who's coming second because no one remembers. Uh, no one remembers who comes second in, in, a, in a world championship. So it is it's right. almost insanity. But the, it's the prestige, I think, for Red Bull of achieving something they've not done, which is the world title yeah. in in multiple ways and second place. So there's that. Exactly. But what what's not there is any actual incentive other than what would be fascinating is whether Checo's contract has any incentives if he gets second place. That's also interesting. So did Checo lose out on money because Max didn't help him? We'll probably never, never, never know. But what is fascinating is when you have something like Sebastian in 10th racing Daniel to the line. I actually thought to myself, if I'm Daniel, just throw it off and let him pass. But he wouldn't have known there was $12 million on, on the line. That's the difference is <laughs> constructors-wise, exactly. there is a difference. So by Seb finishing 10th and not 9th, Aston Martin misses out. On 12 million bucks, Connor. They miss out on those 12 million bucks, even though in the constructor's standings, they finish equal with Alfa Romeo. But it matters mm. little because Alfa Romeo, I think, uh, on a countback, they finish. Place finish somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So as far as Alfa Romeo are concerned, they get that extra 12 million dollars, and that's going to hurt our Aston Martin quite a bit. They will be smarting okay. knowing, knowing that they, they've, just, they've just missed out on 12 million dollars. I think, for, we'll be okay yeah. There, yeah. I think the money's okay, but isn't there also, or is it, does it not apply maybe down this part of the, uh, of the, of the ladder, but you know, isn't there like wind tunnel time differences and things like that? So I think so. Yeah. But there's well, advantages the, to those positions. Yeah. Is there anything, what do the drivers get? There's nothing there really. Right. Cause I think with that for Daniel and Seb were competing for their spot in the driver's standings as well. So yeah, is, I is think I think that it's purely it's like based on that's what I mean it. about contracts. Like, do we really know? And you're right, I, I'd kind of overlooked that. But Seb got eleventh ahead of Daniel in the drivers' championship. Sorry to spoil your thunder there, Connor. No, nah, we'll that's okay. It. That's um, fine. <laughs> yeah, um, but but I guess there's no real. We we won't know. Like in terms of contracts, you don't know really what they earn, let alone what their incentives are. I assume that. For a lower place team, so not in your Red Bulls and Ferraris, there's win incentives, there's um, grid incentives, and things like that because you need those financial incentives to keep drivers going, um, and that's just the bottom line. It's it's the nature of business. Um, but yeah, I think it's fascinating that you have this fight over second place, but it's not really a fight over anything that matters other than um, you know just a nice little patch on the on the sleeve. But I'm just I'm just fascinated that Christian wouldn't have fought for that. That's all. I just. I'm just a bit disappointed once again in Red Bull, and that's just the nature of the beast. We've we are long term, um, uh, you know, recipients of the Red Bull woes, having gone back to the Mark Webber Sebastian era. So that's really <laughs> kind of where we all come from in that. So, given that the race panned out that way, I think let's let's do this, um, Connor. I think it'd be fascinating to talk about the, the standings, and then let's unpack some of our own thoughts on teams and drivers through the year we're not going to run through every single driver but i think there's it's worth calling out a few if, if you want to boys and so connor let's run through the driver standings at the end of the 2022 season so the world champion max verstappen 454 points a margin of 
Oh, geez, almost 150 points to Charles Leclerc, who finished second overall in the championship by three points ahead of Sergio Perez. George Russell, the best of the Mercedes drivers, home in fourth position on 275, clearly ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton finishing sixth in the championship behind Carlos Sainz, who finished in fifth. That, for me, George Russell finishing ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the world championship this year, that is a big, big thing as far as I'm concerned because – this is not only the first time that Lewis Hamilton has not claimed a pole position or a win this year. The fact that he's been beaten by his teammate for the first time since Nico Rosberg, that's telling yep, to me. Absolutely. And um, I, I don't know if that that's going to play on Lewis's mind for, for the next few months. And he has said that he can't wait to not drive the W13 again. He has, he, <laughs> he has completely dismissed that car big time. Isn't it fascinating that Lando got seventh and he has said he's going to switch to number seven next year, uh, a, number he's, a number he's wanted, but Kimi, and we needed three years of Kimi's retirement for him to switch. Yep. So uh-huh. apparently that's what he wants to do is switch to number seven next year. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Esteban Ocon finishes ahead of uh, Fernando Alonso in the Battle of the Alpines. And look, a shame that Fernando retired with, with water issues, unfortunately. A water leak brought him to an end. But the fact that Esteban finished ahead of Fernando, um, we know that there was no love lost between those two. And it has been a bit of a, a sour end to the season for Alpine because uh, they started off really strongly and they've had the raw pace all year as far as I'm concerned. I think they could have been on track you know, to maybe be a competitive entity for next year, but I'm not so sure now. I really am not so sure if they're going to be a formidable package because they started off so good at the beginning of the year, but they have fallen well behind, much like Valtteri Bottas and Alfa Romeo. They fell, they really dropped off in the second half of the season. Bottas managed to finish in the top 10, 49 points. Yeah, that, that uh, 10 is really thanks to the early season performance. You know, sixth, yeah. a retirement, eighth, fifth, seventh, sixth, ninth. I mean, it was a strong, if you look at it, um, you know, from a points versus non-points perspective, Valtteri had points in like 90% of the first half of the season. And then it was only in the last uh, Mexico uh, and Sao Paulo that he got just the odd point. So it is, they would be doing a lot of navel gazing. We'll get to the constructors in a minute, but yeah, Valtteri kind of fortunate that he got those early points to, to secure 10th in the, in the driver's championship ahead of Seb. And then, and then Daniel um, Magnuson, Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, Mick Schumacher, Yuki Snodo, Joe Guan Yu, Albon, Latifi, DeFries, and Hulkenberg. <laughs> um, because they Latifi, all made the grid at some point. Uh, yeah, lucky. Very lucky very he did lucky, more lucky. races and got a couple of extra uh, positions than DeFries. It would have been super embarrassing to end your career behind someone who wasn't on the grid. Um, Constructors-wise, uh, Connor, obviously we know Red Bull smashed and wrapped up uh, number one, but um, second, third, and, and going down the chart. Yeah, Ferrari completely uh, comprehensively wrapped up the Constructors' Championship for second, 554 points to Mercedes, 515, and obviously not helped by the fact that uh, they, they did have early pace tonight, but they really dropped off. They were struggling a little bit, obviously, with tight. Well, actually, a lot of things went their way against, well, went against them. George, obviously, with the five-second penalty when he almost uh, collided with Lando, uh, being unsafe release in the pits, and of course, hydraulic penalty for Lewis. So I think they had their they had their uh, cards stacked against them tonight. That's what it is. Uh, but a top three finish from Mercedes is probably better than nothing. That in, if they had finished below Alpine and McLaren, that would have been utterly embarrassing. I think. In the terms of fourth, Alpine 
we I'd already called it last week that they'd wrapped up fourth in the cha- in the constructors. So one seventy three for Alpine, McLaren one fifty nine, and as I said last week, this is uh, a fall from grace of sorts for for Mercedes. Uh, not Mercedes, McLaren, because in the last couple of years they've gone from third in twenty twenty to fourth last year and now fifth, and with Oscar coming into the team next year. I'm a little bit worried if this is going to be the right move for Oscar to join McLaren. Yeah. I'm, we'll, we'll, I'm get sure we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yes. They, 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 look, they, they struggled. They didn't get a couple of races really cost them um, with attrition, and that meant they didn't get the points to get that fourth. Uh, that That's their biggest loss this year is they'll look back on a few races and go, we missed out on those points, and that's what uh, that's what cost us those 12 million bucks, as, as was noted today. Absolutely. Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin, they both finished equal on 55 points, but on the countback, Alfa Romeo get that $12 million. They finished six overall ahead of Aston Martin. But here's the, to me, and I agree with you, Trev, because you called it last week, Haas finishing ahead of Alfa Tauri in the Constructors' Championship. Now, Alfa Tauri have been fairly competitive in the last couple of years. The fact that they finished second last in the Constructors, mm-hmm. that's very embarrassing for what is essentially Red Bull's B team. A Haas finished eighth on 37, better than what they've ever been in the last couple of years. So kudos to them. And AlphaTauri, 35 points. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that has gone wrong with that team. And, and let's be clear, AlphaTauri uh, in the last two years finished seventh and sixth in the, in the, in the Constructors World Championship. So that's a big drop. It's not just, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, seventh, sixth, uh, you know, seventh, eighth, it's a it's a drop down to ninth. That's second last, and I think that is the biggest failure of the year. And and the the Red Bull program, you know, needs to 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 look at that. It's it's not the it's not the correct feeder team. That's the whole point of the team is to be a feeder team. Exactly. And Williams is just continually embarrassing, don't you reckon, Harry? I mean, it's you talked, but you've talked a bit yeah. about the you know the the investment firm behind it and what they're doing to you know potentially flip it. But like how that has any value, I don't even understand. Yeah, it's it is really disappointing, and it's really confusing. Um, it, it's it's sort of the the budgetary restraints are no longer really there. Even the the team, the people leading the team have got experience from significant experience from other forms of motorsport, and has been very successful there as well. So it's not like mm. they've got a bunch of rookies there trying to operate this team in that sense either. And it's yeah, it's 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 strange. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 where everyone's coming in with a new design philosophy, though, with the new cars this year, which is something we we sort of haven't really touched enough on, I think, today. But maybe next year they've learned stuff, they've got a new philosophy, they come back and they're somewhat competitive again. I, I don't think so, but yeah. Otherwise, what do you what do you, if you're Dalton Capital? Like, what are you doing with it? Yeah, I mean, it, not... it, you really struggle to to get your return on investment, let alone yeah. you know flip it for mm-hmm. for a profit. So. I think you're spot on, Harry. We kind of need to look now at at let's look forward a little. Let's look back and forward a little bit at the same time here with teams and drivers. Let's focus on teams first and foremost, right? So we've discussed what a frankly disappointing year it's been for Alpha Tauri and Williams. Has I mean, yeah, disappointing, but I mean they're actually started strong points wise, mm. not that far off that kind of six and seven marks. So there's actually serious potential there in that car. I think for me, Haas, again, really do have potential to to jump forward. Now, Nico, I don't know if that's the right decision, but it's, it's, 
I think, going to be a, a more cost-effective decision. Uh, has, um, Mick Schumacher cost them a lot of money this year in uh, in parts, and Christian Horner talked about that being a, a real impact under the the driver cap for for Red Bull because he Christian Horner talked this weekend about how they hadn't had major incidents, and that was uh, a saving grace for them from the budget cap. So you can imagine how Gunter would be coping with the the parts bill. So I, I don't know. I think that Haas boys has a great potential for 2023. And I don't think should be utterly disappointed with 2022 in terms of their development for an, a, a new set of regs. Harry? No, I don't think, I don't think they should be disappointed at all. Like the, the start of the year, it was sort of very similar to Alfa Romeo in that sense of just out of the gate, really strong. Kevin yeah. Magnussen looked great. He looked, he looked exceptional at the start of the year. And so I think they'll take a lot from this year and go into next year and try to develop that car again. But for them, not finishing last, even second last, is, is a good thing. We know mm. that the money difference there is big, and we've talked about that that a lot as well for them. And yeah. for a small team, that's an even bigger difference. And you know, and in the, the history crazy... of Haas, the, the history is eighth, eighth, fifth, which was yeah. you know great, but a, but a bit of an anomaly. Ninth, ninth, tenth, and now eighth. So. I mean, I, I don't think they should be disappointed with that. I think that's a, that's a decent result for them. No. Um, I think uh, Connor Aston Martin's an interesting one because they, you know, they don't. While we talk about budget caps and restraints, you can get you can get all the money you want through prize money, but as Harry mentioned earlier, it doesn't really matter with with when you've got a big whale backing you. Um, Aston Martin should have the money to spend the cap. They, I think, do have factory level stuff coming online, like wind tunnels and things, which are adv- advantageous for them. So it is possible, mate, Connor, that Aston Martin actually do push forward next year. What do you? How do you see that for them? Looking back at twenty twenty two and looking forward to twenty three, I think they've improved substantially um, from the beginning of the year, where the car was basically a pig. It really was utterly uncompetitive and we saw at the beginning of the year that they were literally at the tail of the field and they just managed to work their way through the season to improve the car and we saw that they've managed to get some fairly decent top 10 results not necessarily like at the top end but like you know picking up a few scraps here and there but the fact that they've they've managed to get some competitiveness out of that car bodes well that maybe next year if they put the time and the investment particularly with wind tunnels and they use that wind tunnel time wisely they might have a very competitive mid-range car. Maybe not at the front of the field. I know, you know, Daddy Stroll wants to be at the front of the field and be a formidable force, but they just need to just keep developing that car and get themselves back to a position where they are challenging for podiums and potentially the occasional race win. We saw that a couple of years ago when they were racing point, and we saw that, um, you know, when Checo won in Bahrain two two seasons ago. Yeah, th- there is that potential there for that car to be very competitive, but they just need to do it wisely and they need to do it efficiently so they're not just wasting time and stuck at the back of the field. Yeah, I think then, Harry, what I find fascinating about what we were talking about Alfa Romeo earlier and how, you know, their, their year's been disappointing. But here's the funny thing. Um, in the last, you know, four years as Alfa Romeo, eighth, eighth, ninth, Sixth. So actually, 2022 is a solid result for mm. the kind of Sauber organization, the Alfa Romeo Formula One team. Um, but you would still be, I think, bitterly disappointed. But I guess the thing is, the gap between, and we should make this very clear, you know, kind of talked about the construction stand, standings, you know, Red Bull's way out in front. Um, 
the two and three are pretty close together. The four and five are pretty close together, but then it's daylight to sixth and seventh mm. and Hunter not and as much four. daylight, but a gap to eighth and ninth. So it's actually a bloody good result, Harry, for Alfa Romeo to be in sixth and really, really with no chance of threatening for fifth unless they'd have done a literally consistent run through the year with Valtteri perhaps in his point scoring positions. Oh yeah, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily disappointing when you look at it in that way. I think when we we talk about them as disappointing, it's just sort of when you saw what they were capable of the at the start yeah. of the year. With a new car, we were just, like pumped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was that that wasn't able to be kept up that level of uh, performance consistently for the whole year. But that it good good season for them. But for me, that what you just raised there is what the biggest thing that I would like to see change next year is that. I don't really care if the order doesn't change as much, I guess, of, of how things Make end up. Closer. Can, yeah. Can the, those gaps between these tiers just be, be closer there? Like that is, that's this pretty huge gap between, you know, sixth and fifth. Um, and, and, and yeah, it, it's, if the racing, if the points were close like that, it would be reflected in closer racing, just a that's better, right. a better. And I think you're right. A hundred and, 104 points between fifth and sixth. That's, you know, that's five plus race wins. And we're not talking about teams that are competing for wins. So it's literally too much. And I think that the success of the 2022 regs as they develop and as cars develop and as teams, you know, find inspiration in each other um, over the next two years that they'll evolve. Um, thanks for the giggle. That was exactly what was intended. Um, the, the, what we, I think you're right, Harry, that's the measure. That's the measure of the success of the regs is not whether, whether Red Bull is challenged for the championship every year. They look, they may win the next four years, but how close is the, the fight for both the, the drivers and the constructors championships through the ranks constructors, most importantly needs to be a better spread of points. Um, and I think that that's, that's the best measure of, Less of true success. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and especially like, I like the idea that people are racing to get from 12th to 10th because it means points. That's mm. exciting. And, and you want more of that. Um, so let, let's hope for that during, during the year. Um, kind of Alpine and McLaren, obviously a close battle this year. I think you foreshadowed earlier what you think here, but it doesn't look good for Alpine. It, it kind of looks like an unreliable car Yeah. while, and I think hard on the sleeve for Daniel, but I do think Daniel has literally suffered from motivation just in the last half of the year, given where he's been at. So put a, a young, younger head in there and we'll get to Oscar specifically in a minute. But I think McLaren has better potential than Alpine next year that in terms of the car and the way they'll push ahead. And not only that, you're going to have two young drivers in that car next year. And that can probably go to their advantage, I think, yeah. against the likes of, say, Gasly and Ocon. And let's not forget, those two don't necessarily get on at all. So that's going to make for a very spicy year. And I don't think the car is going to improve. I think the Alpine, I think Alpines are going to go further backwards. And that is going to be a big problem. For, it's going to be a massive headache for Otmar. I think there's there's a lot of problems, I think, at the Enstone outfit. And, uh, you know, we, we can scratch the surface a little bit, but I think there's much deeper problems from that factory. And I and I don't think they're, they're going to move in. Engineering-wise, though? Well, they're pretty, they seem pretty competitive. They are competitive. Strategic decision making, yeah, particularly with contracts. Yeah, I I, I I agree. I agree. I think that, um, 
I think the bottom line is we, if we were putting our eggs in baskets, you'd have a bit more faith in McLaren than in Alpine. That, that's that's the, the overall bottom line. I think what, though, is super fascinating, Harry, is the top three. Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. I don't reckon you'd want to go anywhere near putting your house on what the hell's going to happen at preseason testing, let alone race one, two, and three, because I think Red Bull are clearly strong. Mercedes have come back in a massive, massive way in, in, in 2022. Um, I think what's probably interesting, and, and it's not intended to be exactly the way it'll come out, but uh, Mercedes' year has been the opposite of Valtteri's. You know, uh, Valtteri had a strong start to the year and went downhill, whereas Mercedes' start to the year, um, you know, wasn't as good, and they've literally come back and found their space. Although, you know, kind of most interesting is, is George's performance has been consistent pretty much year-round, but they've clearly found pace in that car. And Ferrari, I think, have found pace, and they've probably dedicated their time more to next year's car. So, Harry, I don't know about you, but I'm pumped for the yeah. Red Bull Ferrari Mercedes fight for next year. And I'm okay with that being a very clear top three. I hope the others get better through inspiration, but I think it's pretty clear that'll be the top three. But I I, I don't want to even pretend to pick it. And you just don't want a top one. Like a top, no. a clear top three is fine. But if when, when it's a clear top one, that's when it gets shit. Yeah. But I don't think I could pick it either. Like it's even when you were talking about all of that just then, I, in my head, I'm trying to think of the response and and sort of like, oh yeah, you know, it's easy to say the the form from Mercedes coming here, they can continue that, and that's going to you know lead to them being the coming out of the pack strong, or you know, Ferrari, what have they been hiding, yeah. or you know, like it just yeah, I, I cannot put a finger on it at all, and I hadn't actually thought about it in that way since you said it. So and, that and really I think is be the great really thing exciting. is that whatever happens in the first three races isn't truly reflective of the full year because no, we've no. shown this year how much a car can be developed. Now, it might not be as um, phenomenal, the, the development curve, but in, in the year two of some regs. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that part of it for, for 2023. So, look, we're not going to even pretend to sit here and try and predict 2023. We're still reflecting on 2022. So let's reflect on a driver perspective. Now, on the spot, but, you know, give it a bit of thought. Um, outside of, you know, sheer uh, results and points, um, driver performance, where do you rank a driver, Connor? Who do you look at and go, actually, probably, like, you know, we, we get these votes driver of the day and Seb got it today and that's obviously a, a wonderful thing to say and it's really just a, an emotive thing from the audience. But yeah, driver of the year outside of championships, driver of the year outside of points, where do you go with that, Connor? Because I think there's some some pretty decent performances in there. I'm not going to say Max because he's been a class act all I year. I basically indicated that it shouldn't be him by saying yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I personally think in terms of great consistency throughout the year and hmm. just by sheer outright performance. I suspect we're all going to agree here, but go on. Yep. George Russell. Yep. Uh, yeah, I know. George has been, George has been really <laughs> Do good. Do you disagree, all... Harry? Why? Are no, you just... I agree. No, no, I agree, but that's my problem. I, uh, he's <laughs> just not him, but I agree completely. I, I, I just think George has just, you know, the fact that he's completely whipped the ass of Hamilton all year long and he won a race as well, a much deserved race, two years after he almost won in, you know, those circumstances. Uh, 
I just think for me, he's been the outstanding driver all season long. And I think the second best would have to be Checo. Unfortunately, Connor, you are a blinkered human who's looking at the most consistent driver and ignoring them. This is, I mean, this is the problem, Connor. You 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 focus your your efforts too much at one end Are of you the field. Say Latifi? Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> <laughs> Knew it. I mean, come on. He even backed uh, it into the wall uh, today with a bit of help of Mick Schumacher. No, um, yeah, it's pretty. Sad. Well, he has been he has been consistent in crashing. <laughs> oh dear, oh me. Matthew, you right, know, so, so, driver, no, but so go on, yeah, go on. Connor. I was going to say probably the other outstanding drive for me, and it was a one-off. Nick Lance De- Stroll. No, Nick DeFries. <laughs> Nick DeFries for me. The fact that he was supposed to do FP1 for Aston Martin, then he got the yeah. call up to replace um, Alex Albon when he had his appendicitis, and then he gets the points in Monza and then gets the drive with Alfa Tauri next year. That, that to me, it's a great story. That's probably one of the highlights for me as a driver. You sentimental bastard, you. I am. Um, I am. We're farewelling. That was a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> if he just turns out to be a complete dud next year. <laughs> Um, which, you know, let's be honest, you know, these, there's huge potential for, and we'll talk about next year's new entrance in a minute, but there's huge potential for that. We really can't see what's going to happen. But I think that um, when you talk about, you know, Latifi's obviously going and, and I have no issue with that because I don't think he's ever really proven himself to be a Formula 1 driver, which is terrible, obviously, because you've got to do a lot to get there and whatnot. But there is money behind that. So I, I'm not a big fan of money drivers, um, despite whatever talent he has. Mick Schumacher, Harry, actually obviously hasn't performed to the level that the team needs. He's, he's cost the money, the cost the team money. But I don't know. I mean, he's he's not exactly, you know, a million miles behind Magnussen um, and he's the he's the young driver. Uh, I don't know. Do you, is it just sentimental of us to think that, it's sad that he's he's out. I mean, where, where do you yeah, where do you sit so. on that one? Yeah, I think it's it's completely just being sentimental there. If you know, he's he's been a fine driver, but I think that's it. He's just been a fine driver, and I think yeah. anyone else in that position, you you sort of you're like, yeah, you know, it's it's nice having you, but ultimately, you, you're not you're not going to win a championship. Kind of like, and it is know, reality that if he hadn't binned it so many times and and still performed with the exact same number of championship points, yeah. he probably would have kept his drive. Yeah, exactly. And like you said it before, like if that's limited salary, small team, though those every single one of those dollars fixing that car, that matters. You disagree, Connor? I don't no, I disagree. I, I don't think he would have kept it. Even if he didn't crash, I don't think he would have kept the drive. Uh I just don't think he's just looking at his performance the last couple of years. I just don't see Hulkenberg raising the bar there. Like it. I don't and know also either. raising the bar, but you know the other point of this? I reckon what Hass needs. If I'm Gene Hass. I'm I'm investing in a Zach Brown like commercial manager. That team mm. is not taking advantage of its commercial opportunities. For it a start, to. mate, no one gives a rat's what Hass is, okay? You've, you it, that's like SEW Auto Drive advertising on whatever the channels they do in Australia. I don't even know what they do, but I'm pretty sure they're the only company in the field that they're in. So Get a sponsor for Christ's sake. Get specific sponsors. Get multiple sponsors. Hit Germany. I mean, it's Mick Schumacher for Christ's sake. I know they've got a couple, but there should be more. And I think that that's that's actually the failing of the Haas team is not to capitalise well, on that. Don't name. forget, don't forget that it's it was it feels like it was much longer, but it was the start of the season when exactly. they were still Yuralki. 
Yeah, that's so right. So they had the commercial sponsors there, or sponsor, um, and you know, obviously the the Ukraine invasion happened, and and that all went, and they didn't have time to replace that. So, yeah, but time but to the- replace it. Look at just look at. I was watching the the intro titles, and I should give credit to F one for putting Seb at the end of it because it's always done in an order where it's basically last year's classification ends on Max. Very good. It's a run through the drivers, but they ended on Seb, and I thought it was a wonderful little simple. Hat tip to, to Seb, which is which was lovely. But I was looking in that at the McLaren drivers and their suits. Mate, the McLaren car sponsors have changed so much throughout the year. Like Google came on after all that was filmed. I mean, you've got to be nimble enough to just mm, switch true. and change and add. Um, who cares if the car changes? Look how much the cars all changed this year on, on liveries because of weight and things, which is another regulation to change. So just to give them – it should be required that they're all covered in bloody vinyl paint because – it looked horrible. Like the Williams looks stupid. Um, yeah. Too much carbon. I love carbon fiber, but not raw carbon fiber like that. Anyway, I, I just think that Haas could do better to commercialize themselves. Uh, and I think that that's, that's their, their biggest failing right now. And, you know, that's a missed opportunity. Um, I think Mick is more marketable than Nico Hulkenberg. That, that's oh, completely. That, that no, would great. be my yeah. point. And, and if I was uh, in that team, that's what I would have argued to Gunter and Jean that – Let's just give him one more year, but let's try and make five times his salary back through marketing efforts. And I don't give a rat's what he thinks he's doing. He's going to do 10 times more marketing appearances and that kind of stuff. You know, you've got to push the kid. Um, anyway. Daniel Ricciardo, the world's well, newest uh, energy drink salesman. Yeah. Well, uh, give us, let's just, we'll get to Daniel in a minute. Um, um, Seb ended the year with a, just a, a the tributes were flowing. It was like he died. It was, it was full on, but <laughs> it was lovely in reality. Um, he got to bring his car onto the grid. Uh, it's kind of like Fernando did a couple of years ago, did some donuts and he had a little chat. I mean, bottom line, it's lovely how dedicated everyone has been to Seb and he's clearly warmed to everyone. Um, Weber approached him just as he put his helmet on and, and shook his hand, which was nice. Didn't say multi 21, which would have been funny. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's an unbelievable career, Connor. And, and I, I think I think he's retired at the right time. It's sad that it didn't kind of work out for him at Ferrari and certainly not at Aston, but, you know, still massive, massive name in the, in the sport. And I'm glad that he didn't stay on, uh, you know, stay longer than he should yeah. have. He, he picked the right like, time. Like Fernando. Retire. Exactly. And I think he's done the right thing. And, and, and I think that's what he's gained so much respect and so much – adulation from the paddock and the fans and it's been it's actually quite nice even though there are still quite a number of australian fans who are still bitter about multi 21 and i think we'll all have that little bit of anger about that after all these years but that being said 53 wins 122 podiums four world championships i mean what else can you say about sebastian vettel he's definitely you guys see ted's um ted's little story piece uh montage harry did you see that Uh, no i missed that one it was pretty early in the coverage. Like, it, if it coverage started at ten thirty, it was probably at ten forty. But it was it was interesting because it was like I mean they had plenty of chats with him. Jensen chatted to him and all this kind of stuff. But it was really just a Ted reflection. And you know, I um I I go each way with Ted sometimes, but I generally gen generally think he's 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 an outstanding uh, reporter. But he he reflected on it and he, he it was good because they included the bad stuff as well. They included the multi twenty one. Like it wasn't like this just this you know big glowing thing it was it was a pretty honest mm. assessment of his career and I, I yeah i thought it was very well done and it, it was a nice little little hat tip to him and and i think he should go out 
he's got, got a lot of money in the bank and he'd be a very happy man and there won't be any issues and he can fight for climate change and head to China and shut down the factories or something. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> let's get into that. Um, I've been to China. It's very, 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 very spiky. Uh, Daniel Ricardo. Um, I, yeah, I, I've, I've grown to come to terms with the fact that he, he just didn't fit into either of the teams he went to, despite getting results at both of them. Let's be clear. Now, the fact that he went back to the factory, Connor, and did a big, you know, selfie in front of the team and, and talked to the team and they brought out his little, little dais with his, with his um, trophy on it. Uh, the most recent trophy that the team's ever won um, <laughs> yeah. was ironic, but um, but also sad in a way because he's such a great character. Um, but this year just hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, I I just my heart broke. Yeah, that he has just not gelled with the team or the car whatsoever. I mean, it's very much focused around Lando, and it's a shame. It, it really is because. I was starting to think when he when he went to Renault back in 2019, was this the right move or the wrong move? And you know, as it turns out, probably wasn't the best move in terms of his career. But he got the results more than any other driver and team, as far as I was concerned. In that in that period of time, he was faster than Hulkenberg. He was faster than Ocon. You know, he got consistent results during his time at at, at Renault. And then, of course, you know, he goes off to McLaren. And I'm yeah, I'm. The fact of the matter is, he's got. McLaren's only win in the last what ten yeah. years, so that's a record that no one can take away from him. And I think we yeah. should always remember that. And Harry, you 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 alluded to it. He's uh, looks like he's about to sign with Red Bull to be a reserve driver slash a Red Bull energy drink, energy drink salesman. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it, but I guess I there's either. a plan. Um. And I, you know, we talk about it a bit. We, you know, there's a, a lot of these decisions that look baffling to us that we don't quite get. But there, there's a moving piece that we haven't seen, and I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see what that piece might be. I guess, I guess maybe he's betting everything on the fact that maybe he can get one, one opportunity in at the what the best car on the grid next year when one of the drivers is sick or something, um, and that could be his meal ticket, like it was for DeVries. Like maybe that's it. He said to Lando in a little, you know, fun chat they were having in one of the pen interviews, uh, Lando said, oh, I'll see you next year anyway. And he goes, not much, mate. I'm, it's not, I'm not coming to 24 races. So, <laughs> like, the thing about being a reserve driver is you, if you want actual seat time through sickness and whatever, is you need to be there. Which That's why DeFries got all this seat time mm. this year is because some of the reserve drivers weren't actually in town on, you know, because these illnesses happened at the last minute in many cases. Um, I'm not sure he's any chance. In fact, I'm pretty confident he's no chance of getting Formula One seat time at a Grand Prix weekend this next year. So, okay, he gets to, you know, do some donuts in a Red Bull again and um, he'll hype it up and he'll have the smile. And Red Bull smartly say he's one of the most marketable drivers on the grid. Um, you know, Drive to Survivors made him that, especially in America. So you can imagine, especially with America next year, he loves America. It's three races. That's like eight weeks of his year taken up in just promo work, right, For around those Grand Prix. Um, but how it le- – because he has said over the last six weeks or so, he said that, you know, he won't be on the grid next year, but what he's, what he's doing next year um, he hopes will be a, a stepping stone to getting back on the grid. 
Now, mm. if he thinks that he's going to replace Checo, he's an idiot because why would you want to be alongside Max? That's genuine. I don't, yeah, surely that's not That's mad. Surely. So surely. has he signed a one-year deal to be a Red Bull salesman and then does he think there's going to be another seat? And if so, where the hell's that, Connor? I don't think there's any chance. I don't think there's any seat available, to be quite honest with you. It's kind of like he's going – and, and I, someone said this on Twitter. It's like kind of going back to an ex – girlfriend next boyfriend or whatever and it's like you you want to move on but you you can't and that, and that's what i kind of think daniel's trying to do i know that sounds terrible when saying that but it, it just it, that's what i seem to think that's happening right now and i don't see any opportunities of see a new seat coming on board for 2024 to me yeah. i've already established it i think that's his career done i really yeah. do think and i don't see any chance of him being back on the grid anytime soon Look, I I sadly disagree. I sadly agree um, because I and I I predict next year's silly season will be just as bad as this because there will be new drivers who don't perform. There are you know your Yuki's and your Joes on the grid right now that are, you know need to really step up or their seats will be you know hot property. Um, there will be some movement in the top three teams just because giggles happen, right? whether it's a Carlos or a George or a, you know, whoever, um, th- th- there'll be movement. Lewis, you know, the question around where he goes if if the car doesn't perform, you know. If that car doesn't win races next year on a regular basis, does Lewis stick around? So I actually think next year's silly season, as epic as this one. But if Daniel wanted a seat, he should have been a Haas. So what other seat would he accept if he's not going to accept Haas? Remembering that Haas is not in the bottom two teams this year. So it's this that's that's the challenge, which is why I, I don't you're right, I don't think he'd be there in twenty four. Harry, do you think he'll be back or is it over? Uh, I don't know. It's cause it seems so baffling to the point where it's like there must be something we don't know. Yeah. Which yeah. it leads me to believe that he could be back. Um yeah. It, it, either this is the biggest miss of anyone's career or yeah, is I think he'll be back. So. He's had quite a few. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he's, 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 that's, that's true, actually. Some would say, you know, solid misses, but also his bank account doesn't really lie, he, you know, whether or not <laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah. But it's fascinating, and, and you'll never know these things, right? You'll never, ever, ever know. But I don't know. Do you look back on a career and go, I got to race, and I got to, ha- got to do the thing I love, and I got to earn amazing money and do amazing things with my life after that? Or do you look back and go, I would have sacrificed the – I don't know, let's say 50 million extra in salary over over the four years being out of Red Bull, would would he have been at Red Bull, you know, three years later? Would, I don't know. Mm. You can never really know. And everyone looks back on these things and it's just... Always easy in hindsight. Anyway, we're not... If we wanted to really have fun, we'd sit here and predict the 2024 grid and that would be wild. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's sum it up with a, a thought about Oscar Piastri then because... He takes Daniel's seat at McLaren. He has great potential. Let's be clear. He, I understand, and I don't think it was ever published, but I understand he did tests in the Alpine at Paul Ricard alongside Esteban and absolutely blitzed him time-wise. Um, so there's no doubt about his pace. He hasn't had a lot of seat time, though. So I do worry about how hard it's going to be for him to get into the zone, and that will set him behind the eight ball early on. But the fact is he will outscore uh, Daniel's position next year. I don't have any doubt about that because of Daniel's mentality. But can he beat Lando, Connor? 
I think he can. I think despite the fact that he hasn't had that much seat time since it all blew up with Alpine, I think he will get into that car come the test, the pro season test in a few days time, and he will be up to pace very quickly. He's got the time behind him and he's got the age behind him. That's, Mm. that's what matters the most. He's what 22 now Lando's 24. They're going to have one of the youngest driver combinations on the grid. And that could be a beneficial thing for, for McLaren if they are to improve next year. So, no, I don't think it'll be – it might look like a disadvantage for Oscar, but I honestly think Oscar will get up to pace very, very quickly. We've seen that in the previous formulas that he has raced in the past, in Formula Renault, in Formula 3, in Formula 2. He has been on the ball very much straight away. So I see that will be the case come a few days' time with the postseason test and then when the season starts again in 2023. Harry, what do you reckon? I think that it'll, and this sounds obvious, but give me a second, Um, that'll heavily (laughs) depend (laughs) on McLaren's car itself. And I say that in particular because uh, Oscar himself has not traditionally been a very strong qualifier. And if that continues to be the case, he needs a bit more time to adjust. I think next season, that gap in qualifying capabilities between himself and Lando will definitely, you know, lead Lando to to be ahead of him at the end of the year. But if the car is quick enough on the grid that he can make up enough spots and, and fight, as we saw him do a lot in Formula 2 on Sunday, then, you know, it could be either of them. But at this point, I think that the, the biggest difference between him and Lando will be his qualifying. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It'll, it'll be fascinating to see. Um, I'm not going to ask you to predict the results of next year because it really doesn't matter at this point. It's impossible. Um, it will all be on KO Sports, though, because um, KO have the Formula 1 rights uh, going forward. So every session, every race, every practice, everything will be available on KO Sports. And across the postseason, we've got months' worth of other sports to enjoy, and there's everything you want there. Plus, the uh, Adelaide uh, Adelaide wraps up the supercars, doesn't it, Connor? So that's early, yeah. first weekend of December. Um, so the is it, no, is, I think it's just called the Adelaide now, isn't it? Adelaide Five Hundred. The Adelaide Five, yeah, the Valo Adelaide Five Hundred. Valo, what's that? The Valo. I have no idea. I have to find that out. I'm sure someone good from marketing. Our, good marketer. Yeah, I'm sure someone from uh, that listens to our podcast will let us know who Valo are. But yeah, the first weekend of December will be the final round of the Repco Supercars Championship, boys. What a year it's been! Um, what a roller coaster ride! Um, but I do think, I think let's let's end with a conversation about the regs. Um, I think because Ross Braun's bowed out as well; he's retired. Um, so you know he's kind of dropped the mic, put the regs in, seen the season through, and now we'll let it let it happen. I I think they've been successful. I think we have seen less Agreed. of that whole "I can't stay behind him for long." Um, we've seen passing. There are stats to show it's better passing, but whether the DRS was was too strong this year or not, we don't know. But I think cars have been able to be closer together. I think the cars look sick. Um, I think the, the regs have been highly successful. And I actually think that the first year of the regs is, is not the indicator of the long term because in this case, Connor, the difference to last time, as I recall, the regs – changed and the biggest difference was the powertrain last time and mercedes found a very unique and different way of doing things which which gave them a multi-year advantage whereas i think this year it's all aero decisions connor what do you think about the regs 
today versus where they'll roll out to be? I think we've seen a huge change from what we saw back in 2014 when the, the, the hybrid regulations first came in. And I think now the, 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 the parity across most of the field is a little bit is a lot more closer than what it was when Mercedes were just completely dominant. Yes, this season Red Bull have been very, very dominant, you know, throughout most of the year. But the fact that Ferrari were the dominant team to start with at the beginning of the year and we saw Red Bull retire from that first race with a double DNF, that was our only DNF of the year, which is, you know, quite incredible to think that they've come back from that to win the world championship. But it just proved that we had three different manufacturers winning this year. Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. So that bodes well, I think, for next year, where I think we we will not see a dominant manufacturer. Okay, Red Bull did dominate, you know, probably two-thirds of the year. But the fact of the matter is we've got now three different manufacturers that can win races. And I really yeah. believe we'll see that continue on into next year. That, it, was that is fascinating, it was a fascinating point that Mercedes' retirement of Hamilton was their first um, – technical retirement of the year. Now, that, I, yeah. I find that to be one of the – something they should be quite proud of. Harry, you look back at 2022, uh, we look at the regs and we look where are they going to go. Well, how do you feel about them? How do you rate them and, and what do you think is the future for them? I think in general, like you said, I think it's been a great success. We definitely saw our races where cars were able to stay closer to one another, which was ultimately what it was trying to do. few areas, though, where I think there needs to be some touch-ups, I think, DRS still, I just, DRS for me, I, I still wish it was more like the old school push to pass and how it's sort of done in IndyCar mm. now rather than yeah. on these specific straights and, and sort of, it would, it would be great if it's it It's predictable, right? It, push to pass yeah, is exactly. unpredictable because it can be Make used part of your strategy. Mm. Yes, exactly. And that in terms of how, and how cars are better on straights and which are better around corners, you know, if you could be going around a fast corner using your push to pass if that suits mm. your car. Like it just stuff like that would be great if that if that was looked at. But that um, long that long the, left hander at the end of the second back straight on at Abu Dhabi. There was a couple of cars that tried yeah. to get around the outside there. You could have theoretically, with a bit of extra horsepower and a, and a confidence yeah. in grip, mate. That could have been awesome. And and I think you're right. Yeah. That's what that's what we lack is we don't see the advantage being applied outside of a couple of spots on the track. And they're always the same. It's just always those same straights that we know as mm. well. It doesn't it doesn't help different areas for different parts of cars. But that's yeah, true. Um, but the other thing that was interesting was the the tracks that seem to really uh, make the new regulations shine were the old school race tracks, yeah, which we're seeing less and tracks. less of on the grids. Mm. So how is that tackled when when <laughs> you know when when the FIA and and Liberty is clearly looking a different direction to why it wants to go to a host track, but then the regulations actually suit the tracks that is now rejecting. Tracks. So that, that's, I, yeah. I acknowledge that's going to be something to erase. I agree. I acknowledge the fact that yes, Liberty and, and FIA are trying to find new venues, but you've only got to look at last week and Interlagos and the amount of passing and the amount of strategic play that was going on. That is what we need. And we need a lot more of that. And I just hope that both Liberty and FIA don't overlook that because if they do, I think that's going to hurt the sport moving forward as they continue to find new venues, you know, to bring the sport more to the fans. That That's my concern. Yeah. 24 potential races next year, assuming we go to China, which is still up in the air because they're still living in the 2020s. Uh, I mean, it's like, seriously, the, 
what is going on over there? Uh, and of course, the edition of Las Vegas. It's going to be an epic 2023. It's been 246 days since it all started, boys. Uh, and what a we, year. We, what uh, a we year. give great thanks to KO Sports for supporting the FTM F1 podcast. But, boys, most importantly, I, I thank you both for getting up at stupid hours. Um, uh, being available on a WhatsApp chat to bag each other and the sport and drivers uh, privately, uh, and for being here to unpack every single race. Um, and uh, shout out, shout out to to Luke King for uh, jumping yep. in um, when Connor just brushed us entirely. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, negotiations the, are still underway for, for twenty twenty three. Cyclist, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Connor's looking, uh, Connor's looking a little Latifi and Schumacher like here at the hey, moment. Hey, he's hey, he's doing a great job. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed the year we had. We had great fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, to another season of Formula One. As a fan, it's uh, I still love the sport more than more than any other sport that I watch. Um, but it can be a challenge sometimes. So hopefully we have some some epic races, and hopefully uh, Oscar Piastri goes like the clappers because um he deserves after a couple of years of you know ups to 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 win the f2 and then strange year for him this year he actually needs to prove himself in 2023 because yeah. he yep. his his management or his own arrogance in the negotiation and, and the the performance to make the switch to mclaren is a big big call um, he's going to need to back that up with with on track performance, and um, that's what we'll all be watching. That's what the whole grid will be watching uh, in in twenty twenty three with um, with some very uh, you know it's a very new grid. Um, um, Mercedes, Lewis and George, Max um, and Sergio at Red Bull, Charles and Carlos at Ferrari, Lando and Oscar at McLaren, Esteban and Pierre at Alpine, Yuki and Nick de Vries uh, at AlphaTauri, Fernando and Lance Stroll at Aston Martin, Valtteri and Show stay at Alpha. Kevin Magnussen, Nico Hulkenberg at Haas, Alex Albon alongside Logan Sargent, who got the super license points to get him that seat at Williams, yet to be formally announced, but he got the points, so he'll be there. Boys, thanks very much for the year, and thanks to KO Sports, and uh, yeah, enjoy not having to get up at stupid hours on the weekends, except for you, Connor, who have a stupid World Cup to watch. <sighs> yes, I know. Thanks all to SBS. No, that, 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 but yeah, I enjoyed this year, guys. So, um, thank you so much. And thanks also to KO. We, we've had a great time doing it. Cheers, boys. See you, Harry. Thank you. Am I meant to give a farewell speech? Is that what you, we're waiting you, for now? You can do whatever you want, mate. The floor is yours. I mean, uh, I've got no, I've got no SBSs to thank or anything like that. Oh, so. okay. well, oh. there it is. <laughs> anyway, the soccer. No, but it has be been great. I'll, I'll play the pool games and that's it. Let's be honest. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, boys. Uh, enjoy the off-season. See ya. You too.